Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Friday, June 22nd, and I have a great show for you guys today. I'm very, very excited. We're going to talk a lot about football, a little bit of basketball. I'm going to talk about the NBA draft, although I did really struggle to care about the NBA draft. I just struggled to have any, I just, eh, I don't know. I want to address something first. I took about a week off after getting back from Dallas. I took a little over a week off and, uh, you know, I I apologize. I burned out. I just needed a break. And I I promise you this, the show will be better. This, the summer of shows all summer long, this show will be better off because I took a week off. I just needed time. I needed to recuperate, get some creative energy back. And that's what happened. I needed that trip to Dallas. I really did. And by the way, while I was in Dallas, so Dallas, Texas, awesome, great people, great food. I really, really enjoyed my trip. It was fantastic. But I got to see the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I went to AT&T Stadium while I was in Dallas. Oh, my goodness. We have to talk about that building because, I mean, everywhere you go in Dallas, there's this kind of marshmallow on the horizon everywhere. It's this giant white structure, and that is the Cowboys Stadium. I got to visit it. I got to stand on the field. I wish I had more eloquent words. I wish I had a better way of putting it. But the truth is, Cowboy Stadium is just a mammoth. It is just this fantastically huge, enormous building. And I I just was blown away. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so impressive. And what really impressed me about the Cowboy Stadium, this is going to sound weird, but hang with me. You know, it's, it made me impressed with Dak Prescott. To be in this building. So, you know, in Montana, for example, in Montana, everywhere you go, there are mountains looming over you. And now Cowboy Stadium isn't quite that big, but it's definitely always there. And for Dak Prescott to walk into a building that big and just be totally poised, totally composed as a rookie, being in that building gave me even more respect for what Dak Prescott did as a rookie. I was just like blown away. I was like, wow, he walked into that building, that enormous mammoth of a building totally poised. It was cool to see it. I mean, that's the narrative I got when I was standing in Dallas Cowboys Stadium was just, wow, I can't believe Dak Prescott was so poised in this building. And I want to hang on. I want to stay with Dallas for a second. So the Lakers really, really want LeBron James. The Lakers really, really want to acquire LeBron James in free agency. And, you know, I have a quote I've been saying off and on forever. I've been saying, statistically, people are stupid. It's just, I started saying that around the NFL draft and it's stuck. I really love it. It's one of my favorite things. And, uh, you want to know how stupid people are here. Here's how stupid people are. When I left for Dallas, I took a week off when I got on the plane and left for Dallas. One of the narratives I was reading on my phone was no matter what happens as the Lakers try to get LeBron James, no matter what happens, one of the only constants is that Lonzo ball is always in the picture. Lonzo Ball was always going to stay on the Lakers for the Lakers to get LeBron James. When I left, that was a narrative. When I came back, suddenly Lonzo Ball is a possible trading piece. Lonzo Ball could be traded away. So what happened? What the hell happened? I leave for a week, and while I'm in Dallas, suddenly people, suddenly Lonzo Ball is now a trading piece. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what. Statistically, people are stupid. So while I'm in Dallas, Lonzo Ball released a diss track of one of his teammates, Kyle Kuzma. 
And and if you don't know what a diss track is, is you make a, a rap song basically about your friend and you diss him. You make fun of him. I mean, you talk about your guy, your friend's parents or whatever it is. You just make fun of your friend through a rap song. And it sounds really stupid. It just sounds like a dumb mistake. And people were furious. Now, the truth of the matter is it's not that big a deal. It may be immature, but, you know, making fun of your friend, Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo Ball, they're good buddies. It's not that big a deal. It's just two kids joking around. The problem was Lonzo Ball made a mixtape at the wrong time. He made it, he chose a very, very poor time. It is stupid, bad timing by Lonzo Ball. So the Lakers are in the battle of their lives to try to get LeBron James. They are doing everything they can to bring in LeBron James. And all that Lonzo Ball has to do is keep quiet. All Lonzo Ball had to do was keep your head down, go to work, and let the Lakers front office work their magic trying to convince LeBron James to show up and be a part of the LA Lakers. All Lonzo Ball had to do is keep his head down while the Lakers pursued LeBron James. Guess what? He couldn't. Lonzo Ball could not stay quiet. So the Lakers are really want LeBron. The Lakers are desperate to go get LeBron James. The Lakers want LeBron so badly. And when I was nine years old, I wanted dessert. When I was nine years old, I knew that no matter what I did during the day, no matter how bad I was, I punch my brother, I do whatever, no matter how bad I was during the day, as long as I was behaved at dinner, I could have a piece of cake, a piece of ice cream, whatever, whatever, I could have some dessert after dinner. I knew that if I behaved, if I stayed in line at dinner, I could have a piece of cake. And... Lonzo Ball came to my dinner table. I'm nine years old. I want cake. Lonzo Ball showed up at my dinner table. He made a mixtape. Now we're all in trouble and nobody gets cake. All Lonzo Ball had to do was sit quiet at the dinner table. Hang out. Don't create a distraction. Keep your head down and we all get cake. We all get happy. And Lonzo Ball decided to use the worst possible timing. The timing while at the same time the Lakers are pursuing LeBron James... Lonzo Ball decided to release a diss track. A fun, stupid thing. Not that big of a deal normally. But guess what? Right now, while the Lakers are in the fight of their lives to go get LeBron James, that is terrible, terrible timing. Look, I don't don't like diss tracks. They're not my thing. But it's not the worst thing ever. But the timing is the problem. And that's what happened. That is why Lonzo Ball went from an intricate piece of the Lakers to suddenly Lonzo Ball is now on the trading block. If the Lakers have to trade Lonzo Ball... They will if that gets them LeBron James. And that's, that's disappointing. And that, that's Lonzo Ball's fault. He chose a bad time to screw around. You screw around at the dinner table, you don't get ice cream. And Lonzo Ball screwed around at the dinner table. Bad, bad mistake. All right, uh, we have a great episode. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield today. I'm going to talk about LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. I feel like people are beating that narrative just to death because it's the only thing to talk about right now. My guess is, I haven't been listening to sports radio. I took a week off. My guess is, all anyone has talked about for the last week is Kawhi Leonard. I'm sure they have hit you over the head with it. I don't want to do that. I'm going to get to it later, but I want to start with football. I think that's what you want to hear. I'm, I'm desperate for football. I'll talk about football. Then I'll move into LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Then we're going to talk about the NBA draft, but only a little bit. You know me, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to hear that much about the NBA draft. Maybe what's interesting, give me the highlights, and then I'll move on. We'll talk about Johnny Manziel. 
I have an interesting story about Terrell Owens. There's a reason why Terrell Owens is just a year too late. It's sad. We'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, it should be a great show. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. All right. I guess maybe we should start here. We should start with Baker Mayfield. Um, There have been reports recently that Baker Mayfield is not ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor. People, you know, Baker Mayfield... He's not ready to play alongside Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is clearly better than Baker Mayfield. And people freak out. Everybody, this always happens. People overreact to literally everything. Because guess what? Overreactions are what gets people's attention in the media. It drives me nuts. But people said, oh my goodness, Baker Mayfield. He must be a bust. We got to give up on Baker Mayfield. Terrible mistake. It's like, no, relax, please. It's not the worst thing ever. It's not the best thing ever. It's probably somewhere in the middle is the honest truth. Relax. Keep calm. This is called confirmation bias. People so badly dislike Baker Mayfield that when they hear anything that works against him, any narrative that could be spun to make him bad, suddenly, oh, just, just you see, look, Baker Mayfield's not ready. Who cares? No surprise. This is no surprise at all. Tyrod Taylor is a Pro Bowl quarterback. Baker Mayfield is a rookie He just got drafted. He's been in the Browns organization for all of like, what, four months? Do you really expect him to be ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor? It'd be great if he was, but I don't think he is. And that's okay. That's what everybody expected. You and I, I've said many times, Baker Mayfield should sit for most of the year, if not the entire football season. There's no rush to play Baker Mayfield at all. In fact, my my fear is that Baker Mayfield is going to play too early. You don't want to play Baker Mayfield too early. That's the fear. The fear with the Browns is that they're going to get impatient and play Baker Mayfield week eight. Baker Mayfield should not play till like week 13. You know who? Derek Carr, I think, played weeks 14, 15, 16, 15, 16, 17, something like that. Derek Carr, his rookie year, played three games. That's it. And that's good for you. That's good for Baker Mayfield. You don't want to throw Baker Mayfield to the Wolves too early. And what's really scary is that if the Browns are in a bad situation, if they're eight games in and they're two and six or they're three and five and it's not looking good, and then they turn to Baker Mayfield to try to save the coach's job, that could really screw up Baker Mayfield. What you don't want to do with Baker Mayfield is play Baker Mayfield too early. You don't. Because if you put Baker Mayfield in a situation where he feels like, I got to save my coach's job. Cool. Valiant, awesome. But if Baker Mayfield plays well and they don't win, or if he really struggles and they really don't win, that's going to screw him up. The only way you can screw up Baker Mayfield is if you play him too early. That is the narrative to watch for this season. Who cares that Tyrod Taylor is better than Baker Mayfield right now? We all expected that. Don't overreact to that news. That's not a big deal. That's what we all expected. What we should be worried for is that if the Browns decide to play Baker Mayfield too early. That's what I don't want to see. That's what you don't want to see. That's what they should not do with Baker Mayfield. And if the Browns are struggling, they're in trouble, and they play Baker Mayfield to try to save Hugh Jackson's head coaching job, that is where you will see issues. Tyrod Taylor is clearly better than Baker Mayfield. No rush. No worry. 
Keep Baker Mayfield on the sideline until he's clearly better than Tyrod Taylor. Case and point. So those reports that Baker Mayfield, not ready to play, they don't bother me at all. But there is something, there is a concern I have. There is a concern I have about Baker Mayfield. I, I like Baker Mayfield. He's awesome. He's a ton of fun to listen to. He's a great guy. I, I like his interviews. I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield. I was a fan of Baker Mayfield in college. People thought I didn't like him. I did. I really did. I, I love the competitive spirit. I didn't love the police video, but it seems like he, he matured him and he learned from it. But there's one concern I have about Baker Mayfield that is not going away. And it's actually kind of rearing its ugly head even more. And I want to talk about that. So I think I would start this by telling you to look at Baker Mayfield's Instagram. Look at Baker Mayfield's Instagram. Look at Josh Allen's Instagram, the quarterback in Buffalo. Josh Rosen, the Cardinals rookie quarterback. And Sam Darnold, the Jets rookie quarterback. Those are four rookie quarterbacks. Look at all four of their Instagrams. Which ones look like professional football players? And which ones look like mm, they're trying to be a personality? See, Baker Mayfield is marketing himself as a personality. He's marketing himself ahead of Baker Mayfield, the football player. He's marketing Baker Mayfield, the TV online personality. See, the attention around Baker Mayfield is not necessarily on football. And that's, that's concerning. That's a problem. See, Baker Mayfield loves the attention. He loves the spotlight. And I can't blame him. Look at me. I have my own show on YouTube. Of course I like the attention. But for God's sake, Baker Mayfield started a Twitch account. Do you know what a Twitch account is? It's where you can watch a guy play video games. You can give him tips. You can help him make money. I don't think he's down there to make money, but he's definitely on there to build a following. Why else would Baker Mayfield, if you, if you don't want to build a following, just play video games by yourself. If, if I wasn't trying to build a following, I wouldn't film myself talking about sports. I would just write about it pub and I'd hide it in my bedroom. I don't know. But if you want to follow Baker Mayfield on Twitch, follow him at BMShakeIt6. You can literally watch Baker Mayfield play video games. <sighs> now, does that, does that sound like an NFL franchise quarterback? Do you think anytime soon we're going to see Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, Matt Ryan? Do you think any of those guys are going to put the, put themselves online streaming video games? No, you're not. You're not going to see Baker Mayfield online streaming video games. It's not going to happen. You know, it's interesting. So why is Tom Brady a star? Why is Aaron Rodgers a star? They're stars because of football. Football elevated them. To stardom. There's a reason why we pay attention to them. Often with Baker Mayfield, the reason why we're paying attention to him is not because of football. See, with Aaron Rodgers, the attention is fully on football. He posts about football. He talks about football. He does football. Baker Mayfield is all over the place. It's crazy. It's, I don't know. It feels opportunist. It feels like Baker Mayfield saying, I have a lot of attention on me now. I'm going to capitalize on that. And, and I'm all for building a brand or building a following. Look, clearly, look at me. I'm trying to do that right now. I understand that. But I don't want my NFL quarterback to be concerned with building an audience. Because why? Your job is to win football games. Your job is not to make money building an audience. You're not a personality. You're a quarterback. Just, just simply wait till you're out of the league. That, no problem. When you retire, when Baker Mayfield retires from football, do you do a radio show? 
be a game show host, stream on Twitch. I don't care because I actually would love to hear what Baker Mayfield has to say. It's interesting, but not right now. Right now, Baker Mayfield needs to focus on being the Browns quarterback. I just, I don't know. It may be boring. It, it may be boring, but playing quarterback is often pretty boring. It's like trying to be an attorney, trying to make partner. You're, you're a professional. You're not a personality. Right now, Baker Mayfield is seemingly trying to be a personality. Look at Sam Darnold's boring. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, both boring. I'm not trying to, I don't want to knock Baker Mayfield for being too fun. That doesn't quite sound right. But Baker Mayfield, listen, he's got a clothing brand. He's streaming on Twitch. He's making documentaries, all kinds of stuff, capitalizing on the spotlight. And I can't blame Baker Mayfield, but I would rather Baker Mayfield do all of that after football is over. Baker Mayfield hasn't done anything yet. He's getting a little bit ahead of himself. I don't, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's, he won the Heisman. Awesome. So did Tim Tebow. So did Reggie Bush. They didn't have great NFL careers. I don't know. It seems to me that the attention around Baker Mayfield is more about Baker Mayfield, the person, rather than Baker Mayfield, the football player. And that's not good. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're angry. I don't know. But I don't want a game show host as a quarterback. I want a professional. I would rather have a lawyer as my quarterback than Steve Harvey. Or, I I don't know, literally, I don't want Ryan Seacrest to be my starting quarterback. I want my starting quarterback to be stern, boring, professional. You may not like that, but that's the truth. I don't want my quarterback creating distractions. I want my quarterback to be all about football. So I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield. I am. I love him. Been a fan of him ever since he walked on. He's one of the quarterbacks, the little guys. I was a short quarterback. I respect that. I think it's awesome. But I do not like the way that Baker Mayfield is portraying himself publicly. It concerns me. I don't think it's great. It feels like Baker Mayfield would rather be a, a game show host than a quarterback. And, and I just, not a fan. Very much not a fan of that way of going about things. I, I much prefer Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold quietly has his head down. He's working really hard. Pretty boring. I prefer that. I want my quarterback to be boring. Baker Mayfield, all over the place. All kinds of noise. And the the conversations we're having about Baker Mayfield right now, not about football. I know it's the offseason. I know. But it is still concerning that he's streaming on Twitch. And he's got a clothing brand. And he's doing this and that and this and that. I mean, listen to this. B.M. Shake It 6. This says enough. Tom Brady would never, ever have a Twitch account. He would never, ever do that. Baker Mayfield, he did. That concerns me, and it's not going to go away. So we'll see. Time will tell. But I'm concerned about that aspect of Baker Mayfield. Okay, now we can talk about basketball. You guys, I'm so sorry. I'm sure people, I, I feel bad for everybody. If you listen to other shows, I'm so sorry. I'm sure people have just completely beat you over the head with this topic. Um, But I got to say something about this. I got to share my piece. You may or may not know, the Spurs completely mishandled Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs completely mishandled Kawhi Leonard. A pivotal moment. We are at a pivotal moment in the history of the San Antonio Spurs. 
If you remember, Kawhi Leonard hurt his quad, and the Spurs doctors said, Kawhi, you're healthy. You can go play. And Kawhi Leonard wasn't comfortable. He didn't want to play. And, uh, you know, for the record, I side with the San Antonio Spurs on this. I do. I think that Kawhi Leonard is getting paid millions of dollars. And if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I want to be on the court. It's the playoffs. I would have played. But Kawhi Leonard didn't feel comfortable playing. And this is all speculation. I don't really know. I'm not Kawhi Leonard. I don't, you know, I understand, though, why the Spurs were frustrated with their best player not taking the court when it seemed like he was healthy enough to play. But regardless, whether you side with the Spurs or you side with Kawhi Leonard or wherever you land on the spectrum, it's pretty much undisputable at this point. And I've said this months ago, I'll say it again. The Spurs completely screwed up with the way they handled Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs massively screwed up. Do you remember the Spurs? They called out Kawhi Leonard publicly. They said he should be playing. Some of their players did. They spread rumors. They released all kinds of leaks about Kawhi Leonard. It didn't seem like the Spurs had Kawhi Leonard's Leonard's back. That's concerning. So all the drama we're going through right now, Kawhi Leonard says he wants out, he wants to go to the Lakers, yada yada. All of that drama is the Spurs' fault. Never forget... The San Antonio Spurs pushed Kawhi Leonard out. You may like it, you may hate it, but it's true. And I think it's interesting to take note that Kawhi Leonard is very quiet. He's reserved. He keeps to himself. And not in a bad way either. In a good, humble, he's got humility. He's a respectful person. What if the Spurs treated a louder player, a more outspoken player this way? What if the Spurs treated LeBron James the way they've treated Kawhi Leonard. What would happen? Wouldn't be good. It'd be a mess. And we would hear, we would never hear the end of it. If the Cleveland Cavaliers called out LeBron James, his teammates called him out, it would be a massive, massive story. It'd be everywhere. And we would side with LeBron. Or so we would side with LeBron 100%. So Kawhi Leonard, I don't know. Kawhi Leonard to me is leaving the Spurs. Because again, even if the Spurs are correct... Because I think, you know, it was the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard seemed healthy. He should have played. But you can't argue that the Spurs completely mishandled Kawhi Leonard. You know, I played quarterback, which meant that I had to work with lots, all kinds of people. I had to work with offensive linemen and running backs and receivers. And I had a bunch of different receivers with a bunch of different personalities. And you treated every personality differently. Some receivers liked being yelled at. Hey, dig in. You got to turn up field when you catch the ball. You got to run that route a little better. They liked being pushed. But some receivers were more touchy. Yeah, they didn't like when you yelled at them. They didn't want you to get after them. You had to baby them a little bit. And, and that's okay with me because you can't treat everybody the same way. And it seems like the Spurs are like, we do things this way. This is how we handle things. And you can't treat Kawhi Leonard that way. And it's come back to bite him in the ass. It's just not great. Bite him in the butt, should have censored it. Oh, well, moving on. You can't treat everybody the same way. And all I know, no matter who you are, you can't say that the Spurs didn't mishandle Kawhi Leonard. Players called him out publicly. The organization leaked out stories. There was all kinds of weird indirect quotes. Talking about someone publicly is not how you build trust and maintain a relationship. I don't know. You just deal with your baggage privately. I, I don't know. Uh, if my buddy was dating a girl 
and she made all of their private issues public. If instead of talking to him and dealing with everything behind the scenes, if she made all their drama public, I'd say, dude, you just got to walk away. You can't, you can't be with this girl. You just got to walk away from the situation, break up with her, move on. I don't know. If I'm, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I don't want to go back. I don't want to play for the Spurs ever again. And I, I just think it's important to, before we get into where all the fallout of this, this is the Spurs' fault. The reason why Kawhi Leonard wants to leave the Spurs is because the Spurs mishandled and mistreated Kawhi Leonard. Even though I think the Spurs had a great argument, they were right. I sided with the Spurs. Doesn't matter. They still treated Kawhi Leonard the wrong way. You got to know who you're working with. You can't treat everybody the same. Some people you have to handle with kid gloves. They, no matter who you are, talking about someone privately, calling someone out privately is not how you build a relationship. And the Spurs completely screwed up and they mistreated their best player. So we're now, we're at this huge moment. We are at this massive, massive turning point for the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, the Spurs could still salvage this. It's not over. They're not, not to give up completely. I mean, Kawhi Leonard has one year left on his deal. And he is not. Kawhi Leonard is not going to stay in San Antonio afterwards. But again, this is a pivotal, huge moment for the San Antonio Spurs. They have a choice. They can keep him, ride it out, or the Spurs can trade Kawhi Leonard. I would trade Kawhi Leonard, and I think the Spurs had better trade Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs got to get something while they still can. You got to get value while there's still some value to be had. You know, I always compare the Spurs and the Patriots. I always, there, there are so many parallels between these two franchises. They're very similar. They have great legendary coaches. They're always system over players. They have a great system that they follow. And they have multiple championships. The Spurs and the Patriots, very similar franchises. And uh, the Patriots recently had a very big screw up. They made a huge, massive mistake. Never forget, the Patriots had Jimmy Garoppolo. And they traded him away for nothing. For nothing. It's not only only stupid enough to trade him away, but they traded him away for very little. I think it was a mistake to even trade Jimmy Garoppolo. But the fact that the Patriots got nothing for Jimmy Garoppolo is a mistake. Jimmy Garoppolo signed a $137 million contract. And the only thing the Patriots got in return for that player was a second round pick. Come on. Come on. You can't do that. And the Spurs have a very similar opportunity right now where they have a very valuable chess piece. Kawhi Leonard is someone you could trade a lot for. You can get value for Kawhi Leonard. And you really can't screw this up. You cannot screw up this scenario with Kawhi Leonard if you're the Spurs. But they might. They might. See, the story is that the Lakers called the Spurs saying, Hey, we want Kawhi Leonard. We're the Lakers. We want you, the Spurs, to trade us Kawhi Leonard. We'll give you something for him. And the Spurs slammed the phone down on the table, said, no way. We're not doing that. We're not even going to listen to what you have to say. Is it stupid? Or maybe is it smart? Because maybe the Spurs are trying to drive the price up. Maybe the Spurs are saying, hey, we're going to play hard to get. We're going to ignore you for a while. And then we'll call you back when you're more desperate and you really want Kawhi Leonard. So maybe maybe the Spurs are just driving up the price. 
But if the Spurs really aren't listening to the Lakers, that they really are not considering trading away Kawhi Leonard, they are making a massive mistake. See, the Spurs right now, the more desperate the Lakers get, the more the Spurs can capitalize on that desperation. See, the Lakers have a bunch of promising young players, and the Spurs could completely rob everything. The Spurs could rob all of the Lakers' young, promising players if they capitalize on the moment. See, again, the Lakers are vulnerable. The Lakers want LeBron James. And the Lakers are desperate to do whatever it takes to get LeBron to L.A. And having Kawhi Leonard in L.A. would certainly be more attractive for LeBron. So from the Lakers' perspective, normally I would wait. Normally, if I was the Lakers, I would not... I'm not trading for Kawhi Leonard. He's got one year left on his deal. Why wouldn't you just wait one year and you can sign him in next year's free agency? The problem is, if you wait, you might miss your chance at LeBron. And the Lakers, again, are desperate for LeBron James. And the Spurs can exploit the fact that the Lakers are desperate for LeBron. The Spurs can steal away Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, maybe another good player. You can completely rob the Lakers blind because they want LeBron and they know if they have Kawhi, they have a better chance at LeBron. I don't know. But the Spurs cannot. No matter what the Spurs do, the Spurs cannot walk away without getting something for Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs had better trade Kawhi for some value. And the sooner you trade, see, the longer you wait, if you wait till the trade deadline next year, you're not going to get very much for him. Because you're, you're trading away a rental. The Spurs don't have as much leverage as they think. But the one place they do have leverage over, the one place the Spurs have leverage over is the LA Lakers. Because the Lakers have another agenda. The Lakers want LeBron. And we know that if the Lakers get Kawhi Leonard, he'll probably re-sign with them again. The one place you can really for sure trade Kawhi Leonard is the Lakers. The Lakers want him. Lakers are willing to give up stuff for him because they're desperate. And I would hope that the Spurs exploit it. I really hope that the Spurs wise up and trade away Kawhi Leonard while they still can get value for him. Just don't walk away with nothing. Just whatever the Spurs do, you can't do what the Patriots did. The Patriots got nothing, next to nothing for Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's that's a tragedy you do not want to repeat. <clears throat> So it's interesting. You know, why would the you know the Lakers really want LeBron? And if you're the Lakers, why would you trade for Kawhi Leonard? Because he only has one year left on his deal. And again, the Lakers could just wait, sign Kawhi next year in free agency, but that would be stupid. See, it seems like if the Lakers can get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they can get LeBron. And a big three in LA. That's what I want. That's what you want. That's what everybody wants. I would trade Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma right now. I would trade both of them to go get Kawhi Leonard. Because Kawhi Leonard helps you get LeBron. And personally, what I really want to see in LA, I want to see Kyle Kuzma, Paul. sorry, I want to see LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. I want to see a big three in LA with the Lakers. That would be special. That would be fun. That would be interesting. Because what we would have next year in the NBA playoffs, we would have the Warriors, the Rockets, the Lakers, and the Celtics. All four teams with a chance to win a championship. 
and then whatever the 76ers become. Whatever the 76ers can turn into, we'd have that team as well. I want that storyline. I want four teams vying for a chance at the NBA playoffs. That's what I want. Right now we have, I guess we had four, and I want it to shift from the Cavs to the Lakers. Lakers are more fun, better for basketball. I want to see the Lakers, LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. I want to see the Lakers have a big three. It's better for basketball. It's better for me as a fan. And it's better for me, Zach Schaumler, the podcast host. <clears throat> okay. Um, we should talk about the NBA draft. I Here's the thing. I'm, I don't want to waste your time. I know that you, the viewer, don't care a lot about the NBA draft. But I do have a few thoughts because there are some interesting moments from the NBA draft that are, are worth your, your time. So I'm going to point out the highlights. We'll go through it quickly. I'm going to tell you what storylines maybe you should pay attention to or listen to from the NBA draft. So here's what happened in the NBA draft. I'm going to list the first nine NBA draft picks. I'm going to talk about only nine, nothing more, nothing less. Here are the first nine NBA draft picks. Number one overall, DeAndre Ayton was chosen by the Phoenix Suns. He's a seven-foot big man from Arizona, and uh, he's a hometown hero. Now, the second guy chosen was the Sacramento Kings chose Marvin Bagley, uh, a 6'11 center from Duke. So between the number one pick and the number two pick, I think Marvin Bagley's a better athlete. That's who I would have wanted to have on my team. But I understand DeAndre Ayton is a hometown hero of the Phoenix Suns. He's, he went to college and high school. He went to high school in Arizona. He went to college in Arizona. He's a hometown hero. And uh, if Marvin Bagley was a bust and you picked Marvin Bagley over the hometown hero, you'll never hear the end of it. You passed on DeAndre Ayton, the hometown hero, and he's better off. He's better somewhere else. And the Phoenix Suns could have had him. You can't. I get it. I get why the Suns picked uh, DeAndre Ayton. And a lot of people think he's worthy of the first pick. Now, the third pick is where it got interesting. This is where I want you to perk up your ears and listen. Pay attention to this because the Atlanta Hawks drafted Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to say it that way, whatever. So after with the third pick, the Lakers drafted the guy from Europe. About 10 minutes later, so remember, number three pick, Luka Doncic, the Atlanta Hawks. 10 minutes later, the Hawks traded him away. The Hawks traded Luka Doncic to the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks, who traded Trey, who drafted Trey Young, traded Trey Young to the Atlanta Hawks with a 2019 first-round pick. So again, after the trade, I repeat, Atlanta received Trey Young and a 2019 first-round draft pick from the Dallas Mavericks. And Dallas got Luka Doncic. So clearly... Very clearly, Dallas believes in the guy from Europe. It's very interesting to me because what happened was basically the Dallas Mavericks gave up two first-round draft picks to go get the European player. To me, this is the story of the draft. This is the most interesting story from the NBA draft. Did the Dallas Mavericks make the right decision? They traded away two first-round picks. Do you know how hard it's going to be to live up to that? Time will tell. This guy, Luca, could be a star. He could be a great player. He's only 19 years old, though. And uh, if he's not a star, if Luca's not a fantastic player, then the Dallas Mavericks massively screwed up. 
Now, I will point out some people thought Luca should have been the number one overall pick, so you can make an argument fine. But man, I mean, you traded two first round picks, Trey Young and next year's first round pick, to go get the player from Europe. He had better deliver. If he doesn't deliver, that's a tall order. It's really hard to live up to that expectation. And so we will see. Time will tell. But uh, keep your eye on that narrative. Did the Dallas Mavericks make a huge mistake? Or do they do the right thing? Time will tell. Now the fourth pick in the NBA draft, the Memphis Grizzlies drafted Jaron Jackson, the 6'11 power forward from Michigan State. I like this pick a lot. I liked it more than most. Because for me, this guy can hit threes. Shooting threes no matter what position you are, matters. You can play more. You can play longer. You can play better. You can be more involved in the game if you can hit threes. And Jaron Jackson, 6'11 power forward, can also shoot threes. You can't say that for, very, for everybody in the draft. I think that matters a lot. Down the road, we will see. Time will tell. Now, the sixth player drafted in the NBA draft, a guy I really don't know anything about, uh, Mohamed Bamba, a 7-foot center from Texas. Great Awesome. Don't really care. We'll move on. Chicago, Chicago Bulls drafted another center from Duke. Wendell Carter, the 6'10 center, also again from Duke. Number eight overall, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the eighth pick drafted. Colin Sexton, the Alabama point guard. And finally, number nine is where I'm interested again, is the New York Knicks picked Kevin Knox, the 6'9 small forward from Kentucky. I like Kevin Knox a lot. Kevin Knox, again, Kevin Knox can shoot. And the two picks in the NBA draft that I really like, that I thought mattered the most, that I thought were maybe underrated or whatever, uh, I kind of two value picks I wanted to pay attention to was the Grizzlies drafting Jaron Jackson and the New York Knicks drafting Kevin Knox. They can shoot really well. They can hit threes. That matters a lot in today's NBA. I mean, look, the league is changing. That matters. The other notable draft pick was... The Cavaliers drafted point guard from Alabama, Colin Sexton. Let me tell you what. LeBron James does not want to play with Colin Sexton. He doesn't know who he is. Doesn't care. This kid's a baby. And uh, it's interesting because Colin Sexton really isn't even a great trade piece. You can't really get a lot for him. So I don't know what the Cavs are thinking. Seems clear to me the Cavs are like, we're not getting LeBron back. We're moving on. That's kind of my takeaway from this. Um... So, I don't know. We'll talk about Michael Porter Jr. down the road. Uh, the guy from Duke, uh, the guy who pushes everybody around, uh, what's his name? Grayson Allen went to the Utah Jazz 21st overall. But I, I want to move on from the NBA draft. I think it's, uh, maybe we'll talk about it later, maybe we won't. Well, what's interesting to me is the NBA draft happened. I mean, the NBA draft came and it went, and I just didn't really care. I just, I mean, let me read you some of the names. Tell me if you've heard of these names. DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson, Colin Sexton, Mohamed Bamba. Names that nobody really cares about. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you're a hardcore NBA fan and you care a lot. And that's awesome. I don't mean to offend you at all. But my mom has no idea who DeAndre Ayton is. My mom just simply doesn't know. My mom, not a sports fan, knows who Baker Mayfield is. And that's the inherent flaw in the NBA draft. It's why the NFL draft is so much better. By the time a player reaches the NFL draft, he's at three years in college at least. And he's built a brand. He's built something around him. Again, my mom knows who Baker Mayfield is. 
And this is why the one and done isn't great. Because who, like, who are these 19-year-old kids? I don't know. And how can you tell if they're going to be great? I've seen you play 30 games in college. Who knows if he's going to be a great player? It just feels like a shot in the dark. And I'm just not a fan of the NBA draft. It just, I don't know. It seems like there are too many busts. There's too much bust potential. Do you know who Jaleel Okafor is? Jaleel Okafor was a 2015 NBA draft third overall pick. Uh, he is now 22 years old. Oh, well, 19, he was 19 years old when he was drafted. Jaleel Okafor was 19 years old. And he was a complete bust. He's been traded three times. He's just, he's a mess. He's not, he wasn't worthy of the third overall pick because he was 19 years old and nobody really knew what he would turn into. We thought we had high expectations. Nothing happened. Or look at Martel Fultz. Markel Fultz with a K. Markel Fultz was 19 years old when he was drafted. And he's kind of busted. Nobody really, eh, nobody cares. I think it's interesting. There are so many busts, and I don't know how you look at a player who's 19 years old, played 30 games in college, and say, yeah, I know what to expect. I know to believe in that person. I just, eh, I don't know. I don't feel great. I don't feel great about it. And I get why the one and done exists. The reason why the NBA wants players to stay one year in college is so that NBA scouts don't end up in high school gyms. But the problem is only being one year removed, they still do anyways. Why do you think Michael Porter Jr. was a 14th overall pick? He played literally, I think, two, three games in college. The only reason why Michael Porter Jr. was drafted because he was good in high school. That's why he was drafted. He's a 19-year-old kid. And I just, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a solution. I'm just complaining. I hate the one and done. I hate the culture in the NBA draft. Why do we look at 19-year-old kids and say, yeah, you should be a professional? And you know what? How do you look at a 19-year-old kid and project what they're going to play like in five years from now? When you're 19, you have no idea what you're going to be like when you're 24. Nobody knows. And it seems like nobody can know because it's just like a shot in the dark. People make mistakes all the time. I mean, do you want to make kids wait longer in college? Probably not. I mean, colleges are just as scummy as high school is. But it's, I mean, for example, I, I hate that college makes millions off of kids uh, and, and give them basically nothing. I mean, I'll say this at Duke, at least you get to hang out with Coach K. That kind of matters. But unless you have the guy from Villanova or Coach K, like, are you really around great influences either? I don't know. Like, maybe I think the NBA should evolve the G League, their developmental league. But I really have no idea, and I just am frustrated watching the NBA draft last night. Who are these guys? Most of these guys are 19-year-old kids I've never heard of. And it just, the NBA draft feels empty, like a shot in the dark. Like, nobody knows who these, I mean, people know. They're stars. They do their research. Some people are really engaged. But the average sports fan doesn't know. My, my buddy who likes football, likes basketball, no idea who these players are. I do because I'm a nerd. I'm a sports nerd. But most of my friends, no idea what's happening in the NBA draft. And the NBA draft is, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's rare. It's a, it's a very limited sample size to look at a guy who's 19 years old and project what he's going to be. I mean, look at the NBA draft last year. It's a perfect example. The best player maybe from and the NBA draft last year was Donovan Mitchell. 
He was a 13th overall pick. If they knew he was going to turn into what he did, he would have been the number one overall pick easily. And then you look at Markel Fultz, probably a bust. Number one overall pick. Barely played, got hurt, couldn't shoot the ball. Number one overall pick. Does anybody know what they're doing? I don't think so. Why was Jason Tatum the third overall pick and not the first, or at least the second? If they knew he was going to be that great, he would have gone earlier. I, I, I don't know. I guess the, the key to me is that nobody involved with the NBA draft really seems to know what they're talking about. They, they just It's a shot in the dark. A 19-year-old kid who looked good in high school and we think is going to be good when he's 24 years old, but nobody really knows. I don't like the NBA draft. And it's just not great. There's one more storyline, I think, worth your time in the NBA draft. And that's Michael Porter Jr. So Michael Porter Jr. was the 14th overall pick in the NBA draft. The Denver Nuggets took a chance drafting this guy. And this guy was talented enough that people said he could have maybe even been the number one overall pick. The problem was injury concerns held him back. Injury concerns forced Michael Porter Jr. to slide in the NBA draft. Remember, he got a, he had a back injury in college. He played, he was a high school star, like great, I think he was a number two player in the nation in high school. He's incredible. People said he's the next Kevin Durant. And then he went to Missouri last year, and after just two minutes, came out of his first game. Turns out he had herniated discs, needed back surgery. And uh, he did come back for the final two games, but he really didn't play at all his freshman year. He was injured all the time. And then leading up to the NBA draft and workouts and stuff, he had some hip problems. That concerns people more. So even though Michael Porter Jr., supremely talented, people say he could be the next Kevin Durant, he didn't really didn't get the same look. I mean, the truth is, if Michael Porter Jr. is what everyone projected him to be, He is an absolute steal at the 14th overall pick. So the Nuggets took a chance. The Denver Nuggets took a chance on Michael Porter Jr. with the 14th pick. They decided, you know, this is high risk, but also high reward. And I love it. I think it's great. Because potentially, Michael Porter Jr. could be the best 14th overall pick in NBA draft history. He could be incredible. But he also could completely fail. So I think it's interesting. I think the payoff, if it works, is worth the risk. Because you're never going to, no matter who you get at the 14th pick, it's not going to be the same as if Michael Porter Jr. delivers. So I like that the Nuggets took a chance. They're like, we have nothing. We need a star player. We're going to take a chance on Michael Porter Jr. And time will tell. I really don't know. But I respect the the gumption. I respect the gonads it took for the Denver Nuggets to say, we're going to take a chance. We're going to take a guy who may not play. He may be injured. He may be the next Greg Oden. But you got to take risks to win in the world. Got to leave for college. I went to college. I left. I've taken many risks in my life. I think you have to to get ahead in life. And I think the Denver Nuggets took a risk. And uh, time will tell. We'll see if it's a good move or not. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm rooting for the Nuggets. I hope it works out. Drink some water. Now, I'm not naive to the fact that you guys want to hear about football. I know this. Basically, I mean, look, America simply cares more about football. It's just the truth. But I have I have two more stories I want to talk about related to basketball. And then I want to move into Jameis Winston. You know what? I'll tease you with Jameis Winston. 
Then we'll talk about basketball. Then we'll go back to Terrell Owens. How about that? Want to do that? So right now, Jameis Winston um, may get a three-game suspension. So Jameis Winston could possibly get a three-game suspension for an incident that happened with an Uber driver in 2016. If. If he gets a suspension. And that's a big deal. The word if. We, it's probable he'll probably get a suspension. But it hasn't happened yet. As of right now, the minute I'm recording, Jameis Winston has not yet been suspended. And I'm in no rush to be first with this story. I just want to wait and see what happens. Because um, I know that if I was Jameis Winston, I would want people to wait, see what happens before they judge me. So I'm going to wait for the facts. I, I just don't know why we would rush to crush a guy who hasn't been suspended yet. Give him a fair chance. I want to hear the whole, all the facts. I think you know too often we rush out to, this guy's the worst. Ah! We don't even know what happened. So I want to wait for all the facts. And then when I know what really happened, uh, then I think I will tell you what I think. I'll tell you what. If he gets suspended, though, it's going to be pretty hard to believe in Jameis Winston because he's got a history of bad behavior. But I'm going to hear him out. I'm going to wait and see. And uh, I want to be try to be responsible with this because I think, again, too often we rush to crush a guy and we don't really know all the facts. So um, I'm going to wait and see what happens with Jameis Winston. Okay, so Markel Fultz. Oh, man, Markel Fultz is a mess. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Last year, Markel Fultz was the number one overall pick in the NBA draft by the 76ers. Then he got hurt, and he had all kinds of problems. There were rumors. seemed like he couldn't shoot. Basically, what happened is Markel Fultz had no impact as a rookie for the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, it, look, it's hard to tell after one year. I don't want to. I don't want to rush to crush a guy after not after one year in the NBA. I mean, remember, if you judge Ben Simmons after his first year in the NBA, he didn't play at all, and you'd say he's a bust. So I don't want to do that. But the truth is, it's things do not look good for Markel Fultz. He does not look like a great, great NBA player. He doesn't look like a guy worthy of the number one overall pick. In fact, Markel Fultz is so bad, the 76ers considered trading him away to go get Michael Porter Jr., the injured, high-risk, but high-reward player. I just think it's interesting. You know, if you look back at the 2017 NBA draft, the Celtics had the number one overall pick. And the 76ers had the third overall pick. The 76ers traded up to go get to number one. And they drafted Markel Fultz. And the Celtics drafted Jason Tatum. And it's stupid right off the bat. If, if you have a pick and you trade up to one, I don't think it's great. Because there's a reason. If you have the number one overall pick and you don't want the player there, there's a reason why you're trading away. Clearly, it seemed like the Celtics did not believe in Markel Fultz. Because if they did, the Celtics believed in Markel Fultz, they would not have traded him away at all. <clears throat> But I don't think Markel Fultz is a complete bum. I mean, it appears like he can play a little bit, but it also appears like the Celtics got a better player, Jason Tatum, with the third overall pick, than the 76ers did. But here's the big screw-up. Here is the biggest mistake the 76ers made. Drafting Markel Fultz has cost the 76ers a chance to have LeBron James. 
I mean, if the 76ers just drafted Jason Tatum or even Donovan Mitchell, they would have a chance to have LeBron. Their roster next year could be Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and LeBron James. But because they don't have another star, they're not going to get LeBron James. It's sad, but it's also true. And, uh, you know, it's hard to judge Markel Fultz. I'd rather take a deep breath than try to judge him now because we don't know what he's going to turn into. I mean, he's 20 years old. He's 20 years old. It's hard to judge a guy after just one year in the NBA. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to give Markel Fultz time. And this is why I hate the NBA draft. Because you draft a 19-year-old kid, and you're like, oh, he didn't kill it immediately. It's a men's league. He's playing against 29-year-olds. He's 19 years old. I don't know. I mean, every once in a while, there's a spectacular player who can step in at 19, no problem. But I don't know. I'm going to slow down and wait for Markel Fultz. But the, the 76ers definitely screwed up. If they, have, if they had Jason Tatum right now, the 76ers would absolutely be the front runner to have LeBron James because they don't. It's not a great fit. So I don't know. That's what we're talking about. I want to, I want to grab something real quick. So, uh, so while I was in Dallas, I heard, and I saw a report. I saw a report while I was in Dallas, Brian Colangelo, the former 76ers general manager overruled the 76ers executives about drafting Markel Fultz. So the, the rumor is that the 76ers did not want to draft Markel Fultz. And Brian Colangelo came in, said, no, I'm going to draft Markel Fultz. I'm the general manager. I do what I want. I want to put on my tinfoil hat. I have a conspiracy theory for you. Play the music. I have a conspiracy theory about... Markel Fultz. So I try to look at things from, from every perspective possible. I try to look at things openly and say, you know, maybe this, maybe that. I don't really know. But I want to ask the question, is it possible with my tinfoil hat, is it possible that the 76ers are using Brian Colangelo as a scapegoat? I don't know. I try to look at things from all perspectives. And I, I just think it's interesting. If Markel Fultz is a bust, somebody has to take the fall. Somebody has to be to blame. And I think it's possible maybe the 76ers said, you know who's a really easy target right now? Brian Colangelo. Do you remember former 76ers general manager Brian Colangelo got caught having multiple Twitter accounts? Uh, He blamed his wife, but the Twitter accounts were being very critical of the 76ers players. He was releasing team information. It's not good. And so... While Brian Colangelo resigned, quote-unquote, he was fired. He was made to leave, and he was shamed, and had to leave the 76ers organization. So with my tinfoil hat, I just have to question, how do we know that maybe the 76ers just saw this as an opportunity to shift blame onto somebody else? Maybe the 76ers said, we're going to make Brian Colangelo, the scorned and shamed former executive for our team we're going to take him and we're going to shame him and make him the scapegoat make him take the fall for drafting Markel Fultz interesting it could be possible I don't know but no one's saying that nobody's saying because that report came out and it seems very convenient oh so you mean the guy you fired 
He's the reason why your franchise screwed up. I don't know. This seems very convenient that the 76ers have a perfect reason why they drafted a guy who seems like a bus. Oh, blame it on that guy. Blame it on the bad guy everybody hates. Just, eh, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think it's worth entertaining the idea. Did maybe the 76ers release that because they don't want to look bad? I mean, clearly that's why they released it. But did they maybe make it up? Did they maybe stretch the truth a little bit to make Brian Colangelo take the fall for their mistake? I don't know. But my uh, conspiracy theory hat says otherwise. So just I thought it was worth talking about. I thought it was interesting. Never done that before. That was weird. Things did get weird on the podcast. You can hear tinfoil. Stay there. That's not staying. Okay. Um. Okay, let's talk about football. You guys want to hear about football. I still have, I mean, much, much more show to go. I have a lot of stuff to talk about, so I don't really care. I'm going to go as long as it takes. We have two weeks worth of stuff to talk about, so that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> Terrell Owens has been selected into the NFL Hall of Fame. He's going to be enshrined uh, in August into the NFL Hall of Fame. The problem is that Terrell Owens will not be at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Now, to me, if you ask me, this is really petty. This is really stupid. I will explain what I mean. So Terrell Owens has been a finalist for the NFL Hall of Fame for the last three years. And 2018, this is the year Terrell Owens has been chosen to the NFL Hall of Fame. But that was not good enough for T.O. No, Terrell Owens felt that he should have been in the Hall of Fame Last year in 2017 or the year before 2016. So this year, the NFL finally decided, the committee, whatever people decide, decided, oh, this year, finally, Terrell Owens is worthy of entering the Hall of Fame. And the year they finally brought him in, Terrell Owens decided, nah, I'm good. You can enshrine me, but I'm not going to go to the ceremony. Oh, this is so petty and small. It's just, it's just stupid. It is just Terrell Owens is being just incredibly juvenile. It drives me nuts. I want to make a comparison for you. Every Monday night, I play trivia with my friends. And uh, I, want to, I want to make a hypothetical. What if I was never invited to play trivia with my friends? You know, what if every week all my friends went and played trivia and I begged? I was like, please invite me. I want to come. And they never invited me. And I begged and I begged and they never invited me to come play trivia with them. So what if when my friends finally did invite me, after all my begging, after all my whining, talking about I should be allowed to go to trivia with my friends, what if when they finally did invite me, I said, screw you, you should have invited me sooner, I don't want to go now, I don't care. No, it's petty and small and you need to get over yourself. And that's exactly what Terrell Owens is doing. It's just stupid. I don't, I don't know. Terrell Owens is a 44-year-old man. And the NFL Hall of Fame wants him to come to their ceremony, wear their stupid jacket, and get in. I don't know. I mean, look, stats stats speak for themselves. But it's just a silly decision for a 44-year-old man to not go to the Hall of Fame because he's he doesn't like the way they treated him. It's petty and stupid. I mean, the argument's pretty dumb. I mean, you're not going to... No one's going to say Terrell Owens is not a Hall of Famer. You can't take that away from him. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. If you look at Terrell Owens, he's second all-time in yards, although Larry Fitzgerald may pass him this year. 
He's got the eighth most receptions. The people above him and below him are all Hall of Famers. Third all-time in receiving touchdowns. Terrell Owens absolutely deserves to be a Hall of Famer. They're not going to take it away from him, but it's just he's handling this poorly. He's being petty and small. He should just show up to the ceremony, wear the gold jacket, make everybody happy. I don't know why Terrell Owens cannot just fall in line. It's, ah, it's, it's a really annoying thing. Side note, by the way, while I was looking up uh, all the stats for Terrell Owens, I'm looking at all time. I'm looking at all the all time receiving stats, trying to research about Terrell Owens. And while I'm, you know, I'm looking at all the receiving stats, trying to research about Terrell Owens, all the all time receiving stats. What I saw was, without a doubt, no chance, no way in hell, Jerry Rice is clearly. It's not even close the greatest receiver of all time. Jerry Rice is unbelievable. Look at his stats. They're crazy. It's not even close. Jerry Rice has 22,895 receiving yards. The next closest guy on the list, the only guy even close, has 15,900. Jerry Rice has about 7,000 receiving yards more than the next guy. Not even close. Blows him out of the water. The next, so receptions. Jerry Rice has, in all-time receptions, Jerry Rice has 1,549. The next closest guy, not even a receiver, a tight end, Tony Gonzalez has 1,325. Almost 200 more. Over 200 more. Jerry Rice, it's crazy how much Jerry Rice blows everybody out of the water. It is unbelievable. Look at, look at career touchdowns. Jerry Rice... 195 career touchdowns. The number two guy, Randy Moss, only 156. Terrell Owens, 153. Then Chris Carter, only 130. Jerry Rice is so much a head and shoulders above everybody else. He is so much better than everybody else. And you can argue, well, Jerry Rice played with Joe Montana. Sure, But Jerry Rice, it's not even debatable, is the best receiver of all time. He might have played with Joe Montana, but he also played in a different era. He played in a different league of the NFL. Jerry Rice played football in an era with less passing and more physicality. You could maul a receiver while the ball was in the air, and yet Jerry Rice's numbers are still better. Not to mention, another time, another era means that Joe Montana, Jerry Rice's quarterback, never threw once. Never once did Joe Montana throw for more than 4,000 yards. The NFL is so different now that Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins almost threw for 5,000 yards. The NFL is different. They throw the ball more. They are, so back in the day when Jerry Rice played, it was harder to play wide receiver. You threw the ball less. Rules were even harder for receivers. And yet, despite all the advantages, all the obstacles against the disadvantages, and all the obstacles against Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice's numbers are still far better than every other receiver. That's unbelievable. Jerry Rice is by far, not even close, the greatest receiver ever. Not even close. And it's, it's funny, you even look at the stats that are updated and now harder to keep up with. Even in receiving yards per game. See, you would think because people throw the ball more... Every receiver today would have a higher yards per game percentage than Jerry Rice. And you're mostly right. Everybody on the list above Jerry Rice 
is a newer, younger player that plays in this era of football where the ball is thrown more. But even in spite of the fact Jerry Rice played in another era, he's still number nine on that list. Yards per game, all time. That's crazy. I just think it's interesting. The more you look at Jerry Rice as the years go on, the more and more impressive he is. The more you get, the farther you get away from Jerry Rice, the more you go, oh my goodness, that man is a head and shoulders better than everybody else. Not even close. Jerry Rice, greatest wide receiver of all time. And I just, I looked at the stats and I was like, oh my God, I, I know he's great. I always hear about it, but you look at his numbers and you go, he is so much better than everybody else. Nobody even can compare. It's crazy. Okay, I want to talk about Terrell Owens one more time. So, Terrell Owens wants to play in the NFL again. And, you know, notice, by the way, I said NFL. Terrell Owens doesn't want to play football anymore. He wants to play in the NFL. Because if Terrell Owens simply just wanted to play football, he could be in Canada tomorrow. He'd have a team. But we'll talk more on that later. I think it's interesting, though. You know, Terrell Owens has talked about he wants to be on the 49ers, and now there's rumors connecting T.O. to the Green Bay Packers. And it's also reported recently that Terrell Owens ran a 4.4440, a 40 yard dash in 4.4 seconds. Now, it was hand-timed, which means that it's less accurate because digital 40 yard dashes are much more accurate to the moment. But clearly, Terrell Owens can still run around. He's still very, very capable of competing at a high level. I feel sad for Terrell Owens. Like, I look at, I look at all this news. Terrell Owens is like, I want to play football again. I want to come back. Uh, I, I, I just feel sad for him because he's a year too late. He's one year too late. Because now in the NFL, there's no room for a sideshow. Last year... There were a couple teams, didn't have a quarterback, had no shot. The Dolphins could have taken him, whatever. Terrell Owens could have been a sideshow in the NFL if there was room for him. But, you know, there's really not room for a sideshow like Terrell Owens right now. And you know how I know Terrell Owens is a sideshow, by the way? Again, I repeat, if Terrell Owens just wanted to play football, he's in Canada tomorrow. He, he could play, if he really just was there for the love of the game, Terrell Owens could play in Canada tomorrow. And I asked the question, why would any team in the NFL want to bring on Terrell Owens? Why would any team want to work with him? I mean, the same reason why the Mets wanted to sign Tim Tebow. The reason why you would sign a guy like Terrell Owens is to draw an interest, to bring fans to games, to create a buzz. And the problem is right now in the NFL, there is no team that needs that. There's no team that needs a guy like Terrell Owens. There's no team that needs to drum up interest. Every team in the NFL either has an established quarterback, a good roster, and a chance to make the playoffs. Every team either has a chance to make the playoffs or a young quarterback and is trying to build something. Every single team in the NFL has something to play for this year. And it's pretty unprecedented. This never happens. I mean, think about it. Every team has hope on some level. Every team has some reason to play this year. I mean, even like the Bills historically... The Browns, the Cardinals, the Jets, historically, those teams are kind of a mess. And even those teams have a young quarterback and are trying to build a culture. The Bills have Josh Allen. You know, the Browns have two quarterbacks that are interesting. The Cardinals, Josh Rosen. Jets have Sam Darnold. The Bears have Mitchell Trubisky. Every team that you could think, oh, they could be a dumpster fire. 
they have a reason to have hope and believe. If you can name one team without hope, actually, I guess you can't. You can't name one team that doesn't have something to play for. I mean, you normally say that every year, but like the Cardinals last year didn't have Carson Palmer. They were screwed. There was no reason. I don't know. I just, why would any team want to bring in Terrell Owens? A sideshow, probably not going to be great, an average receiver. I don't know. Half the league has a chance at the playoffs, and the other half of the league is a young quarterback trying to build a culture, and sadly, there's just no room for a sideshow like Terrell Owens. I mean, I, I wouldn't bring Terrell Owens onto my team. There's just no room. Because you're, you're going to get a marginal receiver. You can get a receiver with probably a similar skill set for no noise, no problems off the field, and you don't need Terrell Owens to sell tickets. You might have last year. The Cardinals, the Bills, I know the Browns are a mess. You could have used that, but no, not, not anymore. Teams are taking themselves too seriously to deal with a guy like Terrell Owens. I think maybe that's an interesting question is uh, what teams in the NFL have the least hope? Every team, it seems like, either has a veteran quarterback and they're trying to make the playoffs or they have a young quarterback and they're trying to build a culture. The Bills may not be a great team, but they're building a culture. The Browns are building a culture. The Cardinals have a good young quarterback. They're building something. It's pretty unprecedented to think about. We've never had a better NFL league. We've never had a more complete, more through-and-through level NFL. We've never had this. We've never had the NFL top to bottom be this good, at least at quarterback. So I can only think of three teams, I guess. I can only think of three teams that are don't really have a chance at the playoffs, and they don't really have a young quarterback. It's interesting. There are three teams that I don't like, but I want to go through the list, and I'll name the three at the end. See, the Patriots are going to have a chance at the playoffs. The Dolphins have a chance to build something with Ryan Tannehill. The Jets have a young quarterback. The Bills have a young quarterback. Eagles have a chance at the playoffs. Giants, nah, they have Peyton Manning or Elon Manning, whatever. Cowboys, playoffs. Redskins, maybe a chance at the playoffs. Colts, young quarterback building. Texans, young quarterback and playoffs. Jaguars, building, maybe playoffs. Titans, playoffs. Steelers, playoffs. Ravens, young quarterback, building. Browns, young quarterback, Bengals, that's the team that I'm going, the Bengals, are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. They do have a young quarterback. No, not really. So what do the Bengals have to play for? They're the team that goes, "Mm, they're not great. How about the Saints? Saints on track, Panthers on track, Falcons, Buccaneers. Oh, the Buccaneers. Well, Jameis Winston gets suspended. Uh, They're behind and they're probably not going to make the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, I don't, I think the Buccaneers. The only other team besides the Buccaneers and the Bengals I can think that is going to have a struggle and going to struggle to be relevant and have a reason to play is the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, the Bengals, and the Buccaneers. Those three teams all have concerns. They either have they have an established quarterback, but it doesn't matter. They're not going to win a lot of games. They're all in the, like two of them are in the NFC. You're not going to make the playoffs as an average team in the NFC. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think those three teams, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers, those are the three teams in the NFL that I go, "Eh, you're not great. You don't have a lot of hope. You don't have a lot of reason to play. Maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on. So news came out the other day. There are three new bowl games set to debut in 2020. 
And what that will do is there will now be 43 bowl games in college football. 43. And everybody's mad. Twitter, everybody. We don't need another bowl game. Ah, they're all mad and typing and tweeting and they're mad and angry. Everybody's freaking out. Why do we have another set of bowl games added? We don't need more bowl games. And it just really reminds me, there's a movie called Hotel Transylvania 3. There's a movie called Hotel Transylvania 3 coming out soon. And all these 35-year-old men are so angry. Why is there another Hotel Transylvania movie being made? These movies are awful. Well, they're profitable. And kids watch them. Have you ever considered maybe you're not the audience for Hotel Transylvania 3? You're 35. You're not the demographic for this movie. It's not for you. And you people that are mad that there are more bowl games being added to bowl season, just need to realize these games are not for you. If you don't like them, don't watch them. I'm a football nerd. I love football. I love watching every single stinking, stupid, dink, dunk game. I like the Fiesta Bowl. I like the Totino's Potato Bowl. I like the Rode Microphone Totino's whatever crap little tiny Montana State University water bottle bowl. I don't care. I like every single little dinky bowl there is. You don't, you can't have too many bowl games in my opinion. I I get why people are mad, but what does it hurt you? Hotel Transylvania 3 is a movie that's going to suck. You don't need to see it. Doesn't affect your life at all. But for the people that want it, it's great for them. They're happy. For the people like me who like bowl games, I'm happy as a lark. I couldn't be more excited. And for you to be mad that I get more bowl games, screw you. It doesn't affect your life. What, are you going to miss tennis on ESPN 5? Do you don't care? ESPN 3, whatever it is. I just don't see the problem. Having more bowl games means more football, means more fun, more time for me to talk about more interesting stuff. I like more bowl games. And the fact that there are people out there mad about more bowl games, how does that affect your life? doesn't matter. It's not for you. Don't watch it. Go away. Oh, just quit worrying about things that don't matter for you at all. I just don't understand. Like, how can adding more bowl games really, is it going to damage call? Oh, no. Another 6-6 six and six team is going to go to a bowl game. It's good for the team. I don't know. I just, it's fun to watch for me. And if you don't like it, go away. Don't watch it. Great. Problem solved. Move on. Another thing, a very similar thing, is that Recently, we have seen Leangelo Ball in all kinds of Foot Locker commercials. And another thing, everybody's freaking out. Jello Ball does not deserve to be in commercials. He should not be getting endorsements. Foot Locker's screwing up. La, 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 la. Everybody's mad. Oh, geez, man. People relax. Jello Ball's in a Foot Locker commercial. He also didn't get drafted. And people are freaking out. Foot Locker shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be working with this family. No, no, no. Foot Locker's really smart. Foot Locker's doing the right thing. See, if you truly didn't care about Jello Ball, you wouldn't post about him. You wouldn't post a five-paragraph post on Facebook talking about how much you hate seeing Leangelo Ball everywhere. If you really didn't care, you wouldn't give any engagement. You wouldn't pay attention at all. See, it's, I think it's interesting. So, there's no such thing as bad press for a guy like Leangelo Ball. See, there are really small indie video games. Very small games. Often they suck. 
And there's a website called IGN. They're the biggest video games website. And if IGN makes a video about a bad game, even if all they do is trash the game and say it sucks, it's still good for the game. Because more people know about the game than would have otherwise. You're going to sell more copies, even though you got a bad review making fun of your game, than if you never got a video made by IGN. Having attention on you in some ways can help you. It helps Leangelo Ball. It helps small, really bad video games. I don't know. For a guy like Leangelo Ball, there's no such thing as bad press. And every time you, the viewer, talk about Leangelo Ball, every time you tweet about him, every time you post about how much you hate him, it tells more people about him. It builds the legend. It builds his audience. It gives him more attention. There's no such thing wrong with being a villain. See, me personally, I like Leangelo Ball. I don't like him. I don't, so I don't, I don't, how about this? He's a great villain. I find him entertaining, even if I think he's unlikable. Does that make sense? So you might say, I don't care, but you're lying to yourself. The fact that you're posting about him shows clearly you care a little bit. And I think, I think Leangelo Ball is a great villain. He's a good story because he's probably going to fail and people will be excited about that. I don't find out, but to say you don't care at all, you're lying to yourself if you say you don't care about Leangelo Ball. Clearly, posting about him, you care a little bit, even if you hate him. But villains are great. We need villains in sports. LeVar Ball, Leangelo Ball, Mellow Ball, the Ball family, they are a great family of sports villains. We should embrace it rather than hate them. You should hate them, but have fun about hating them rather than going, they shouldn't be anywhere. Well, they should because they're entertaining, they're fun, and we all hate them. So it's fun to hate them together publicly. I enjoy that. You can enjoy it too. Okay, we have a... I have three things left I want to talk about. I think first we should do Johnny Manziel. This is Johnny Manziel watch. This is the Johnny Manziel update. This is my Johnny Manziel weekly update. So in game one of the Canadian Football League season, the Hamilton Tiger Cats lost 21 to 14. Johnny Manziel's team lost. And Johnny Manziel did not play at all. And uh, it's interesting. The quarterback that started above Johnny Manziel did okay. Not great. Jeremiah Masoli, the Hamilton Tiger Cats quarterback, was 25 for 36. He had 344 yards passing, zero touchdowns, a goose egg in touchdowns, but he had one also interception. Not great. Good, not great. Had a turnover, no touchdowns. He might have ran one in. I didn't pay attention enough. They scored 14 points. They lost. Um, and, and Johnny didn't play at all. So what's, what's the storyline here? Like, what do we take away from this? From After the first game, Johnny Manziel didn't play. What do you take away from that? And, uh, you know, the, the coach for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Johnny Manziel's coach, June Jones, said that he believes Johnny should be playing in the NFL, and I believe he will. That's what he said about Johnny Manziel. And uh, June Jones also later went on to talk about how, you know, Johnny Manziel is going to be here for two years. He needs it. It's going to be good for him. And acknowledge there are people in the NFL just waiting to see, has Johnny Manziel dealt with his issues off the field? Is Johnny Manziel going to improve and maintain a good, healthy lifestyle off the field? And it's, it's really just a matter of time, if you ask me, before Johnny Manziel plays for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Because you look at it, how long has Johnny Manziel been in that system? Like a month? A little bit more? I don't know. Um, I just think we need to give Johnny Manziel time. I think eventually... If Jeremiah, Jeremiah Masoli keeps not playing at a high level and Johnny Menzel's hanging around getting all the press and all the attention, eventually 
Johnny Manziel is going to play. But I like that they're not throwing him to the Wolves. Clearly, June Jones is trying to do the best thing he can to take care of Johnny Manziel. Um, and I just think we need to give Johnny Manziel time. Now, there's also a thing to pay attention to is Johnny Manziel may not be an NFL starting quarterback. When June Jones, the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, says that Johnny Manziel belongs in the NFL, he's not necessarily saying Johnny Manziel deserves to be an NFL starter. But if you're telling me Johnny Manziel couldn't make a roster, you're just lying to yourself. Clearly, Johnny Manziel is talented enough to be a backup quarterback somewhere in the NFL. Um, but he just needs to prove himself off the field. That's why I said Johnny Manziel should go to the CFL. Everybody around him is acknowledging that, and it's great. And I think the fact that June Jones seems to understand we need to give Johnny time, we need to support him, and we need to help him off the field. The fact that June Jones, Johnny Manziel's head coach, understands all of that tells me that Johnny has great support around him. And being in the CFL is going to help him tremendously, give him a chance to get back into the NFL. So I'm excited. I like Johnny Menzel. I'm rooting for him. And I think eventually he's going to play in this Canadian football regular season. Probably at some point he's going to be the starter for this team. Okay, two things left. You can check out now if you want. I don't know, whatever. I, I, uh, I want to tell you guys a cool story. There's two narratives, um, one to follow, one that's just an interesting history lesson. First, I want to talk about Casey Rogers. Casey Rogers is the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. And Casey Rogers II, his son, is a cornerback for the Jets. One of them is a player for the Jets. One of them is a defensive coordinator, a coach for the Jets. And that's a pretty cool story. If that's really all this is, that's really all I have to say. Hey, there's a cool father. There's a cool son. They're together on the same team. That's interesting. And that's really all there is. But it's a storyline I don't want to follow because I'm curious, does... It's Casey Rogers the second, the player. Will he make the team? Because Casey Rogers played for three years in the Canadian Football League before signing with the Jets in February. And, you know, the dad said he had nothing to do. He did not make the decision to sign Casey Rogers, his son. I guess Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Jets, was the one that said, hey, we're going to bring in your son. He's going to be part of our franchise. And so it's just an interesting storyline. to. I'm going to tease it now. And we can follow it later. Will Casey Rogers II, the son of the defensive coordinator, will he make the team for the New York Jets or will he fail? We'll find out. It'll be interesting. Hey, last thing of the day. I, uh, I was in Dallas, actually, when the anniversary of this happened. Uh, I want to remind you guys, 44 years ago, June 14th, 1974, is the day that Nolan Ryan threw 200 and 35 pitches 235 pitches Nolan Ryan pitched 13 innings and the game went 15 innings he lost but Nolan Ryan had 19 strikeouts he lost three to four he actually had a no decision in the game because he pitched so well and he wasn't the reason why the team lost and I just I just want to appreciate this moment in history because it is just entirely unbelievable that Nolan Ryan threw 235 pitches for you, for you guys that don't understand, today, 100 pitches is a lot in Major League Baseball. So, like, for for example, a guy for the Dodgers the other day, I think it was a while ago now, but he was throwing a, a no-hitter in his first MLB start, throwing a no-hitter into the seventh inning, and the minute he reached 100 pitches, 
the coach pulled him out, said, nah, we're not going to let you go over 100 pitches, and took him out of a perfect, a, a, a no-hitter. That's r- crazy. That's ridiculous. And, and Nolan Ryan getting to 235 pitches, when I heard that number the other day, I was like, oh my goodness. I, I just can't believe it. I can't even fathom throwing that many pitches in a game. It makes my hands hurt. Like That's crazy. And you just you look back and go, that's just a different era of sports, a different era of baseball, an era where people cared more about winning and less about safety, and just was it's just a, a very different approach to sports, more brutish, more who cares? You throw till your arm falls off. And uh, the fact that Nolan Ryan threw 235 pitches in 13 innings in a game and lost, I just thought that was worth talking about. It blew me away. I'm a nerdy sports history guy, so I want to talk about that. That's all I have for the show, guys. I, I want to say thank you so much. I uh, Today's episode's really, really long, and uh, I'm very excited. There was some stuff I could have included, too. I cut it out. Uh, I, I just did an interview earlier today with a guy who... My buddy that I played high school football with, uh, he played for the team that was on Last Chance U this year. And he's actually a part of the television show Last Chance U Season 3. So I filmed an interview with him. I called him. We talked for about an hour. Way longer than I wanted, way longer than I expected. But I just wanted to put that out there now that if you love Last Chance U, it's my favorite television show. And so I wanted to uh, preface it there that if I do anything with that, um, that's why. Uh, I, I recorded an hour-long interview with this guy. We talked about the show how it helped him, kind of the narrative. I think I know what's going to happen in the show. Um, I don't want to ruin the season, but it, it sounded interesting to me. And uh, so I'm going to put that out, maybe, possibly. I'll probably clip it out on the show at some point. But uh, I just wanted to tell you now, I did do an interview with one of the guys from, uh, one of the quarterbacks from Last Chance U. And so I wanted to just tell you that now. I'll put that out eventually. Remember, my name is Alex Schalmer. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about the show. My name is Alex Schalmer. Thank you so much. I know I, I feel like I talk way too long. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. This is my favorite thing in the world, and uh, I appreciate you guys supporting my show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bam, bam, we are done. Bye.